Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Performance Talks. In this episode, we are really pleased to be joined by Carl Bombardier. Carl is a former pro hockey player from Quebec who has travelled around the world, both as a player, but also as a dietitian and SNC coach. And at some times in his career, combining all three roles. We had a great chat with Carl about how he's combined those roles, how he builds buy-in with his athletes, and we got a little bit more in-depth into some of his go-to strategies for developing nutritional plans for teams and athletes. We love talking to people with different perspective on performance and how they support their athletes. And this was definitely a great conversation with lots to take away, especially for SNC coaches having to take on some of those responsibilities. We really hope you enjoy the show. As always, please like, follow, and share with your mates. We can also be found on Twitter at Perform Talks and on Instagram at Performance Talks. Now over to the episode with Carl. All right. Well, my name is Carl Lombardier. Um, again, I'm a uh, sports dietitian and strength conditioning coach. Um, originally from Quebec. So if I have a funny accent, I don't know if you guys have any other Frenchies on here, but um, that's where I'm from. And then uh, I kind of travel all over the world uh, as far as um, either as a player or as a, as a staff member, I guess. There's some places I've actually been player and strength coach and dietitian and director of high performance. So you kind of wear a lot of different hats. Um, but yeah, most recently I've been in, in Vancouver and that's kind of, uh, how Simon and I met at, uh, 40th. And then I'll be heading down back to the U S, um, here in a few weeks to go work with the, uh, Seattle Seahawks. Awesome. Um, great to have you on the, on the show here, Carl. Um, one thing we always like to, to sort of ask people is a little bit um, about how they got started in the industry. And so just wonder if you can kind of roll back the years a little bit and tell us like, you know, where, where did you, you know, kind of where did you study and who were your key mentors? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I got lucky. I got to play junior hockey growing up and I'm glad I did because I didn't start college until I was 21. And uh, I always say if I would have started at 18, I probably would have no idea. Um, what I would have done as a, as a career. Um, but yeah, growing up, uh, Jean-Philippe Riopelle is the first one that kind of introduced me to strength conditioning. He was, uh, he was a hockey coach back in Quebec, who currently works with a lot of NHLers in the Quebec city area, um, including Thomas Abad, who's a defenseman for uh, Senator, uh, Ottawa Senators. Um, but then, yeah, I, I got to play juniors and then I went to uh, go play college in the U.S. And I first started as a um, kinesiology is just a science major. Um, so that was how I kind of got into the field a little bit better. And then it was summer of 2014. Um, I was actually thinking about adding a major, uh, in my curriculum and I was thinking about adding dietetics. So I did an internship with uh, Meals on Wheels in the Dallas Fort, Fort Worth area. And at that time, sports nutrition really, wasn't really a thing. It was finally starting to grow up um and then because uh, I went from a small school in Wisconsin to a bigger city in Dallas where there's a lot more resources and a lot more pro sports so I met um Amy Goodson that summer which really she's really introducing me to um sports nutrition that could be actually a profession and a role 
And it's funny because at that time, I think she was working with the Dallas Stars, the Dallas Cowboys, the Texas Rangers, and the FC Dallas. So one oh, dietitian wow. for, for teams. <laughs> so I was like, She's yeah, got the whole city like, oh. sewn up. Yeah, basically, I was like, yeah, I mean, now that you look at things, it probably wouldn't make a lot of sense. But it's just to show you that um, how, how, how fast or, or pill grew, right? Uh, but that's kind of, yeah, how I kind of got exposed to um, the field of like sports nutrition and being able to do that as like maybe a full-time career. And then, so what I've done, uh, I graduated my undergrad um, with exercise science, but I had, again, a very heavy dietetics background and I applied to my master's at the University of Utah um, in sports nutrition, which uh, is probably, I would say, the gold standard as far as the sports nutrition program with tons of alumni working in uh, like Olympic centers or a lot of alumni work in NFL, pro sports, uh, or like her directors at uh, big D1 schools in the U.S. So, uh, and then from there, yeah, that's how I kind of got introduced to you know, the football and, you know, big time power five conferences and a, a lot, a lot more money to, to, uh, in, uh, programs like sports nutrition. Money, money talks, I think sometimes, doesn't it? It's, uh, it's an interesting thing we just talked about off air. And it's one of the, the really cool things about getting you on is that, Oftentimes, uh, I've had it in my career, so I've had it in his, you know, we're strength coaches. We don't have any background in nutrition, but you, when you go into a team and, and that team has a budget and they don't have, an, in a, you know, positions for 10 or 12 staff, it's like, oh, you're the performance coach? Great. What do we eat? Um, and, and I'm there just thinking, like, I don't really know. Like, I'm not a nutritionist. I'm, I'm a yeah. strength coach. And they don't kind of distinguish the role. So, uh, to have that dual role, I think, is really interesting. How have you found that that's played out across your career, like balancing the two of them? Yeah, I think everywhere I've been, it's kind of different in the way that I was used, so to speak. Um, yeah, mostly in the U.S., uh, I was mainly focusing on sports nutrition versus strength conditioning. Uh, but some of my stops, including especially New Zealand, like you said, the resources are a lot more scarce. Um, you kind of have to wear a lot of different hats, right? So uh, I think it's nice because it just gives you, um, obviously, uh, as long as it's within your, your scope of practice and you, uh, you're qualified and you have the knowledge for it, then obviously it's, it's a good thing to do. Uh, it keeps, keeps it, you know, interesting with having to dabble in all different things. Um, but yeah, so I, I, very, I very much do believe that if you can be integrated and everybody kind of working together, um, Obviously, when it's time to take decisions, then obviously you go to the lead person. Uh, but I always found that the teams are the places that were most cohesive, is the places where everybody was kind of involved with different components of the nutrition or strength conditioning. Um, because I, I think one thing that plays in my advantage uh, since I was an athlete and I was able to, I mean, I still enjoy weightlifting. I'm always in the weight room. So athletes see that and they're always willing to like, Hey, like I'm, I'm feeling like crap. Like, okay, well, what did you have for breakfast? Like, it opens up that conversation a lot easier when you're on the floor doing things with the athletes versus if you're stuck in an office doing meal plans, right? So, it's all about that connection. <laughs> it's all about the relationship because once they trust you, then they'll start asking more questions, right? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. I think, um, 
you know, that personal touch, I've, I've touched on it before. Like it's all well and good if you send out, a, you know, a wellness questionnaire or automated into a text it to somebody's phone, but why not just have that conversation with somebody and, and you start so many more conversations. So yeah, no, it's really interesting to hear that, that dual role and being comfortable in that. And I think, you know, we all agree that idea of if that integrated systems is the, is the crucial part. We talk about it a lot with strength and conditioning and rehab and physio, mm -hmm. but let's not forget that there are other elements in play here. So if a strength coach can cross over and have some nutrition knowledge and a nutritionist has some S&C knowledge, you're going to mm -hmm. get like a truly multi-dimensional team there. Yeah. And not only that, you know, what's good is, especially if you have a big roster, right? Like I've worked a bunch with football, you know, you have like, if you look at the NFL, you have about 63 guys. If you look at a college program, you might have 120, up to 120. Um, that doesn't... That's just insane, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How are you keeping track of all those guys? You know what's crazy is when you think about it, there's only 22 starters, really. Like, offense, yeah. defense, 11, and then special teams, you'll have a bunch of, like, a different mix. But, yes, it's, it's kind of crazy that that. Um, but what I'm saying is it's like, I might get along super well with like the offensive lineman and a quarterback or whatever. And maybe an SNC coach has a better relationship with a guy I've, I can't really connect just yet with. Um, again, as long as the nutrition message is the same across the board and everybody's on the same page as far as like how we do things. Um, if somebody else is more efficient at getting it done with a specific athlete or coach, like it's just putting you go on the side and be like, Hey, this is for the best of the team. Um, you're doing well with Bobby, like go ahead. Like, this is what Bobby needs. If you can get it done, like I've added, I'm just going to chill in the back and I'll go spot somebody else on the bench. Like, I don't care. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How, how have you found that? Um, like you said, you, you'd moved around a little bit. You worked yeah. in New Zealand for a bit. Um, obviously like working in hockey in New Zealand is going to be a, a very different experience to working yeah. in hockey in Canada. Um, but that kind of interrelation of, of staff, cause you know, we, Steve and I worked in China and we had a lot of, um, a lot of American staff. And, yeah. and something I got from them was that they were telling us that they're the roles within the American collegiate system are very rigid like a lot of the time the SNCs won't touch rehab because that's an AT's like job yeah. description and they're yeah. kind of told they're not allowed to cross over. How have mm -hmm. you found that that working like within your with your own experience in the in the yeah. collegiate system as well oh, as yeah. elsewhere? Well, I would say yeah, if I if I take in consideration the three countries I kind of worked a little bit more in, so Canada and New Zealand and the US, uh yeah, I agree. Like sometimes you gotta, you just gotta be careful because yeah, if you're in a more set environment with duties and what you should be doing and like, it could be a liability issue, right? So you just want to make sure that like, like I said, you don't cross over uh, like your scope of practice, so to speak. So you just gotta be mindful of that. I think it all depends on, again, the team and organizations you work with. Um, but then, yeah, when uh, if I if I compare to what, <laughs> what I did in New Zealand, so, it, you know, being in the U.S. for a while, I kind of figured out, okay, this is a kind of like what a high-performance season setting looks like. Um, and this is a really great example of like being able to use your resources and what you have at hand whenever you travel. So I was based out of Dunedin, which is in Otago uh, on the South Island. 
and they have a really strong um, nutrition program with a sports emphasis. So what I did, I already add uh, like each year the team would get a team doctor. They would get like an AT, like a, a physio student. What I did is I reached out to the sports nutrition chair and I was like, hey, um, here's, here's what I'm doing. I'm coming down here to play hockey and rugby. Uh, I'm trying to build a little like high performance program. Do you have any interns for me I can borrow to help me elevate some of that, my duties you can learn from me? Obviously I'll be playing too. So there's some stuff I might not be able to do with the way in and way out and all that. So do you have anybody that would love to help out? And I had a really positive response. And to this day, I still in contact with uh, departments here in New Zealand, because sometimes like students want to know like, hey, what's your experiences in the US? And some of them might want to cross over um, to the US and get some more experience, right? Because obviously the sports down there is a lot different than what it is in North America. But what happened, it was, it was funny too, because in Dunedin, we had a really good setup where we had a kitchen at the top of the rink. So I could do like little cooking demos if I wanted to with the players. Um, so I ended up building a little high performance teams with like, I had a strength conditioning intern, uh, I had a sports nutrition intern, AT doctor, and we kind of met once a week. And obviously again, smaller roster, uh, a, lot of, a lot of these lads were just there to like hang out and you know have a couple beers after the games or whatnot. But, uh, I guess I was available there for, you know, as a resource for nutrition and strength conditioning as some, maybe some of the younger guys that wanted to get better. Um, you know, it's always, the, it's always the same case, right? Like the players that are really, really good are like, no, bro, I'm good. And then the kids that are trying to make it, they're like, oh yeah, like give me all of it. So it was really, really exciting. And again, just your, your ability to get the most out of what you have on hand is really sometimes I feel like what makes you a really good practitioner is just adapting to your environment, right? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It's actually, that's an in, interesting point I'd like to build on because like I said, I think a lot of our listeners um, will be those S&C coaches who just get nutrition dumped on them a little bit. Um, I, I, I mean, I've got so many questions about nutrition for you, but it's like first off is kind of, what do you what do you see like for those guys what would be easy wins like what like yeah what would you kind of go okay let, this is minimum yeah. let's get these things going on yeah um i think it varies across all sports but if you can look at you know it's kind of like in the snc world look at your low-hanging fruit right what if you or if you if you see there's a common problem between the guys like for example like do we have a, a lot of guys that are complaining about cramping? Uh, do you have a lot of guys losing weight in season? Like if you pinpoint a problem and really zone in on that, um, then it's a lot easier to kind of develop your protocol and your process as far as like, okay, this is what's happening. This is the best way to go about it. We're going to have a better impact on 85% of our team. It's probably going to make us a better team overall if our players are feeling better. So let's run with that, right? Because obviously you guys know like nutrition can be very, very individualized and personalized. But if you're only one person to deal with a squad of 30 guys, it's just like, okay, I'm not going to make, you know, I'm not going to do a DNA test for every single guy and make sure like, you know, if there's, these guys have like a, a gene that doesn't process caffeine properly, then we're not going to do any caffeine with these guys. And, you know, it, you can go 
forever with these things, right? So look at what the problem is, what's the easiest way to go about it with the minimal resources. Because again, when you have money, you can do anything you want. But once you're restricted in that component, just look at, hey, the research says that, let's try that, see what happens, and then look at the outcome. And if it doesn't work out, okay, what happened? Um, and if it works, perfect, let's try to run it same thing over and over again every year and let's include it in our SNC program. Even though it's a little bit more nutrition based, um, it did end up being a really, a, like playing a really good role and it made a really big impact for all our guys and players, right? Mm. Yeah, I think that I think that's such a good point you bring up about like kind of one blanket ideas across a, a team to kind of get a bit of team cohesion, but also the fact that like nutrition is one of those topics that could be, you know, incredibly in depth or incredibly simple. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It can be, it can be both of those things at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I know sometimes people get a little, um, kind of get a little bit lost in it sometimes when actually yeah. they'd be better off with a more simple approach. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. how much do you find like, whether it's team culture or national culture plays into it. Cause I know like Steve and I talked about this a lot and, you know, from our experience in China, like I don't think a non Chinese person should really take on a nutrition role in a country like that because food yeah. is so important to the mm-hmm. cultural identity. So, you know, you could, you could be like an Australian Chinese great. Cause you've grown up with that food culture as well as knowledge brilliant you could go do it Mm. but you couldn't get like you know someone like me he's you know white guy from england (laughs) i can't go into china and be like right you guys need to do this because you know i heard nutritionists or people there being like oh they're eating way too much rice and they're eating way too much of this and that and you know they should get some quinoa in here and i'm like you've kind of lost the point completely i think um You know, how, how much like do you take in the, the kind of culture of the, the team and the athletes that you're working with? Yeah, it's 100% true uh, what you just mentioned. Like imposing your will on athletes, especially nowadays with the newer generation of athletes, it's never going to very like it's not going to turn into anything good, right? Um, so one of the main thing I'd say, again, once that relationship is built, like you just go ask and like, hey, what do you like to eat, right? Like. You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to push all the kale. Hey, let's eat kale every single morning. And like, hey, let's do all the quinoa for everything we do. It's like, no, like, I think you're missing the point here. The worst meal plan you can put together is the one that nobody's going to eat, right? So if you do, hey, I just worked three hours on this unreal meal plan that's still like nutritious. And and then you you roll it out and athletes are like, well, first it tastes like shit. And then, you know, (laughs) it doesn't really do anything for us, right? So. Yeah, especially when I work with uh, men's basketball, I always like to ask my players like, hey, how was this? Do you want to see different things? What do you want to do? Because a lot of the, a lot of times what I would do, I, I could do a spin on the classic or like, hey, let's say we do mac and cheese. Can we can we do a little bit of a healthier mac and cheese or whether we do like everybody loves ranch, right? So can we do like a Greek yogurt based ranch instead? So little modifications like that you know, you kind of meet halfway with the athletes, right? So that way you're like, okay, they're seeing this dude is trying to help us out with the nutrition side. He doesn't go all of his way, but we're kind of meeting halfway. Um, that's the best way to go about it. And again, 
the more you spend time with the team, the more uh, you'll kind of understand the cultural aspect um, and see really what they like to eat. Just like I said, obviously there's modification and it has to be interesting, right? It has to be, I always say the best modification or motivator is somebody coming to you like, hey, I need to, I need to lose X amount of weight or hey, I need to, you know, increase my lean body mass. Then it's a lot easier to have that conversation. But until that mindset happens, that is just like, okay, let's see what we can do. Hey, try this. A lot of stuff I do, um, here's the best example for you guys, especially in the US when you have like tons of samples or like companies trying to like having their athletes try their product. Like if you can fuel them around, you know, practice time or game time, let's say it's like, I don't know, like a, like a beetroot shot, right? So with nitric oxide that helps, you know, dilating the blood vessels, whatever. Again, you don't even have to go in depth and the science could be like, hey, dude, try this. They're going to be like, what is it? Speed reduced. What is it going to do? It'll help you run faster. Okay, perfect. Chug it. They go on the field. And then they ended up, you know, they catch, you know, either they score a hat trick and they win a fight or like. That's it. Every day now. Mm-hmm. Every, every single day. day. They're going to come back yeah. to you like, dude, I need this every yeah. single time. Right. So, uh, and you could be like, oh, well, that was kind of just a placebo. Actually, there's nothing in it. But in their <laughs> mind, it's just like, oh, my God, yeah. like, I felt great. Okay, boom, let's roll with it, right? So, and that's, to go back to your original point, that's a very, very good segment as far as, like, you were talking about, like, uh, like the buying and the culture and all that. If you can have your own players pushing it within their own team, oh, my God. Like, the only thing you got to do now is sit back and chill, right? Like, so if they're accountable within each other and be like, Hey dude, did you have breakfast this morning? And one guy's like, no, and it's just like, well, what, like, what are you doing, dude? Like, go get breakfast. You know, we're about to practice, right? Like, if you can have that set up, man, like, just like, let's just sit back and watch magic happen, right? Like, this is you don't have to babysit anybody. Everybody's like, yeah, doing right. It's it's so true because it it's kind of the same in the like in the in the weight room in the gym environment yeah. as well, right? Like, I love it when I see athletes helping each other. Like whether oh, yeah. it's whether it's an athlete jumping into you know to spot or an athlete kind of correcting mm-hmm. correcting something that I've been teaching them to work on, yeah. you're like, okay, great. I love it when you guys <laughs> are more self reliant and also more. Yeah. Um, you ha- you've learned and you now have the ability to help each other and keep each other accountable. I think it's huge. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Before we were recording, you mentioned about some of the teams that you worked with, like in that Mm -hmm. in the US collegiate system. And, you know, you're working for one of the big colleges covering a load of different sports. Mm -hmm. Did you see kind of common differences in the attitudes or the way the teams kind of took to to your advice across different sports? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, and the US is so big, right? When you look at at a country and then you, you look at a macro climate from like power five conferences, and then you look within conferences, depending on where the conferences are located, you'll get athletes from different areas in the US or even the world, right? So like, if you look at the Pac-12, you look, that's the University of Utah, uh, USC, UCLA, like all this, the schools on the West Coast, you know, you look at the kids' background, a lot of these kids might come from maybe like, family with a little bit more money, you can get a little bit more international kids because it's on the West Coast. Like it's easier to get athletes, like scout athletes overseas or whatnot. Like not only within the conference, but also within the sports or within the same school, like 
typically your track and field athletes are going to be like on top of it. They're going to ask thousands of questions. Um, your women sports are typically super compliant. They always want to do everything right. Uh, football are kind of all over the place. You got kids from the South. You got like, again, depending within the position, they'll be different as well. You know, a lineman doesn't need the same way as a cornerback or a quarterback or a kicker, right? So everywhere I've been, like I said, from I, I was on, I, I was in the Pac-12, I was in the Big 12, and I was in the a ACC, which is out East. Everywhere I've been, like athletes have all been different in the way that not only they see food, um, like the stuff they like as well. So you can tell wherever that like the kids from the South would like fried chicken and a bunch of different like very spicy and more flavorful food. You like everywhere you've been, it'd, it'd be different. So yes, I, I definitely see trends and obviously it's not like it, these rules apply to all the places I've been. Uh, but yeah, there's definitely trends um, compared to same thing. If you have kids from Europe, typically they'll try a lot of different things, um, but you know, Sometimes, you know, and that's one thing I did uh, or I'll probably start doing a little bit more with hockey. Um, my French hockey guys going to the U.S., some of them, they're, you know, their English is not really good. So taking them to the supermarket, taking them to, you know, how can we, that's, that's kind of how the world evolved, right? Like you started maybe just doing like, hey, you're the water bottle guy that we, like sports dietitian, we kind of took roles from different different people, whether it's SNC or athletic trainers, like, hey, now we're doing the water bottles, now we're taking care of the way in and way out and things like that, right? So I always feel like it's funny when we try to defend these, so it's like, hey, this is, everybody kind of helps out on that. Um, but like I said, it's funny how the role evolved and like the tasks that we're doing now, like you can be very broad, can be very strict. It all depends again on the situation you're in and the teams you work for. Yeah, I think they um, that cultural thing is really interesting. I, I said before, when we took the Chinese athletes to Poland for the World Championships, it was really, it was so funny on like the, the role reversal. So I'd gone over to China in October. We went to uh, Poland in, in the January, right? So mm -hmm. I'd had three months of being served. And, and it was like strict Chinese food. It was in the middle of nowhere a little hotel yeah. it was all very chinese mm -hmm. and that was hard for me hard for me to adjust to that yeah. we fly into poland and now all of a sudden it's like chicken steaks and like nice rice and nice vegetables and i'm just thinking this is the best thing ever and yeah. these girls just won't touch any of the food and I, <laughs> and I i'm just like are you kidding this is so good like the food here is amazing and they were yeah. all like can't eat this this is terrible <laughs> and i but i'm like but it's chicken and it's rice. You mm -hmm. eat, you've eaten this every single day yeah. for as many as you can remember. And they're like, there's, there's no flavor to it. I can't eat it. Yeah. So we ended up going to the supermarket in Poland and buying like Chinese flavored sauces, putting mm -hmm. them on the, ta the tables in at mealtime. And now all of a sudden the girls were eating. So yeah. it's just like, <laughs> you know, it's such a little change. But like you said earlier, the worst meal plan is one that no one's going to touch. So that, that food was great quality, but yeah. if no one's going to touch it, then what's the point in, in having it? Yeah. yeah, it's it's a really interesting concept and and it makes a huge difference mm -hmm. to, to the uptake on, on what people are going to have. Yeah. Well, and, and it's like you said, right? Like uh, if, you, if you think about how nutrition affects the other sphere of some like an athlete's performances, 
well, obviously, if, if these kids don't eat or the, the athletes are not eating, then they're going to be crap on the field. They won't be good in the weight room, right? So, like, it's all inter, it's all interconnected. But at the end of the day, yeah, if these kids don't eat, then you're screwed, right? Like, that looks mm-hmm. bad. That looks bad on the support staff, which is typically strength coaches, dietitians, or whatever, right? Um, but I was telling you earlier, like, for me, what I really enjoy about traveling and seeing different places is, like, I think it's it, – Again, to dissociate, I guess, uh, like the better practitioners, I think it's your ability to be able to have your athletes or simulate the exact thing set up you have at home when you're on the road, right? So, hey, like for me, if I have to, you know, if I have a couple of North American players that are going to go play somewhere, whether it's overseas, like do we need to pack, you know, Uncle Ben Rice's like pouches for them to like microwave it wherever they go to make them eat? Um, like dehydrated food do we do like dry mangoes anything they can pack in their bag to bring with them do we need to do protein powder do we need to bring a blender i did some work with an olympic skier and that's like yeah wherever you'll travel like the setup will be different right when it's on north america it's a lot easier and they go overseas like well we don't even have access to a kitchen right so how do we how do we make sure that what's it like wherever you're going we stimulate the exact same thing what you do during practice at home or when you're about to compete right because that's a big it's a big psychological component right like if athletes are freaking out like oh i don't know what to eat where i'm going to do this and that then that can derail all the plans you put together right yeah so how to make it easy as you can yeah it can be had i'll go inside oh no sorry i was just gonna say it can add a it can add a huge stress to Mm -hmm. the athlete but then it also adds a logistical stress to the rest of the team right trying to source either source food or you know taking time that should be recovery and rest or should be mm-hmm. you know it, depending on the schedule might be a half day off where people could actually relax instead yeah. you're you know you're rushing around trying to source food just to keep everyone yeah. happy yeah. yeah we had um the sun devils came out is that university of arizona, yep. arizona State, yep yeah, yeah, yeah. So they came over to China for a, a like a bit of a preseason tour. Um, mm-hmm. The amount of food they brought with them was unbelievable. And the best thing was when they left, they didn't want to take it back with them. So yeah. they left like two <laughs> two hockey bags full of like Cliff bars, protein bars, stuff that, that you couldn't get hold of in China. So I was like, right, I'm gonna oh, get nice. all of this stuff. Yeah, it was. I was like, I'll take this, and then yeah. I was giving that to our players because I yeah. couldn't get hold of it for our players. So I had to basically. And your money, like, hey, I'm saving money for the team too. So I'm definitely going to mention that. Oh yeah, we cut the budget in half this season. Like, yeah, yeah. So thanks, uh, thanks uh asu for uh for, for sorting me <laughs> out with some stuff it's so funny yeah. you say that though because i always used to wonder why the chinese athletes took so much luggage with them and when you actually visited it's one of noodles. their rooms it's because yeah they, they had like two suitcases each but one of them was just full of like pot noodles yeah and again it's just that idea of, like, like comfort food right if they don't like what's on offer or yeah. Yeah, it, it's there's also an element of practicality as well. I know, like yeah. the meal times aren't always don't always fit with your competition schedule or training schedule. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, they would just have tons of pot noodles in their in their yeah. suitcase. Yeah, it's, was, it's interesting with the with the Chinese athletes, and I don't want to speak too much out of turn because, you know, I I guess my understanding of what happened with their nutrition was 
was basically just what I was told a lot of the time. Yeah. And I know Simon knows probably a little bit more about it than, than I do, but it was very interesting there about what their diet consisted of and where they were allowed to eat and things like that. And yeah. they were, it was really, really strict in terms of you eat, you know, they all live on in a permanent training camp. Basically they all live yeah. on site and they all eat at the cafeteria on site. And that's because that food that comes in is very strictly controlled. And, and I believe and again, I don't want to get sued by anyone, but there's quite, uh, you know, there's some there's some shady things that go on with a lot of meat around in China, and that can be quite a challenge for people. And, and but even to the point where we were on a trip once, and and the girls, it was we were at a train station, and the girls came back with with bags of KFC. Now, obviously, not a good choice to come back with yeah. with bags of fried chicken but equally it was kind of like one the nutrition choice isn't good but two you know you're not allowed to go there and buy that food yeah. you can have the food that we give you yeah so yeah i, I don't know what you think about that side if you know a little bit more I, but it was very uh very strictly controlled yeah there was a there was a genuine fear and th and this was from the like the chinese leadership themselves not just from the from the mm -hmm. athletes but like of the quality of the meat in china um the risk of like steroids you know being used kind of yeah um and they're they're absolutely paranoid about the drugs testing in china like and and it is it is difficult because there's a lack of the education isn't great um, but then also like food labeling isn't great. And then also like you say, you don't actually always know if what's been put on the label is really what's in the packet because, <laughs> you know, some money may have changed hands or it might not actually be quite legit. Um, yeah. So within all the Olympic training centers, they import um, the meat from Australia from certified farms mm -hmm. and where possible, they always get like organic veg and produce. Yeah. Um, but it does I remember that, sorry oh, I was just gonna say it does mean that the the athletes are always told they're not allowed to eat off-site yeah. now I again a report that 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 said they tested like 1600 slaughterhouses in China and like 70 percent of them they found traces of clenbuterol in, yeah. in them so yeah like it's no wonder you're a little bit suspect about getting meat from from these places yeah, yeah. for sure and it's it's funny because like some of the like some of the team leaders are a bit relaxed as long as it's like not close to a competition or something they they're a bit more relaxed about it they know they're athletes they're like right if you mm -hmm. go out on a Sunday and just kind of do whatever it's not going to cause any big problems like that one that one meal out a week probably won't cause a problem and we could be a bit relaxed about it and others are just like absolute no. Like, and I've, I've known athletes be fined or yeah. um, suspended you know, yeah uh, and suspended for being caught like eating off site there um, was um i remember there's a coach who will hopefully get on in a future episode with one of the teams in china and his athletes a couple of his athletes got suspended for six months they didn't even months. test yeah they didn't even test positive they just reported that they'd eaten outside wow and they got a six month suspension that's crazy incredible yeah, yeah. It, it's so funny though because they're like when i traveled with the figure skating team when we went to japan they all loved eating out because they were just like oh no the food quality here is really good yeah <laughs> like it, it's really yeah. good 
and so they were all really happy to like to get out after the competition and to eat out and stuff so yeah. it's like it, it was you know it's very different but it was tightly you know tightly controlled um yeah. is, is that a serious risk because i have i've heard stories of like guys in the nfl that happening too you know yeah. over Going consumption to brazil of, and eating meat yeah, yeah. Mm, well i think here's a couple points for you guys i guess to think about as far as like food safety and all that i think we're we're very fortunate in north america that i don't think we'll have any shouldn't have any issues with you know any banned substances being within the, the meat or anything like that right so but again you look at the shift and and the cultural um choices that athletes want to make we see a lot more vegan athletes now and vegetarian and like or organic like we try very especially again if you have the money for it, it's a lot easier to get organic everything, right? Doesn't even mean it's better, but you got the money for it, so let's go organic, right? Um, so there's a conscientious effort of us doing, you know, like farm raised, organic, all that stuff, right? So uh, people are athletes are a little bit more at ease. And again, if you look, you know, hockey culture as a whole. You know, they were eating odd dogs between period 20-something years ago. So Wayne Gretzky, yeah. Wayne Gretzky was famous for that, right? A couple like, of dogs between the periods. Yeah, so it, it can't – well, it shows you how much, you know, I, I still think it – and again, the the revenue shares and the money allocated to, like, support that is a lot different in the NFL, MLB, than it is in the National Hockey League, of course. But to this day, still, there's not a – a lot of full-time dietitian in the NF in the NHL, um, which again you can argue it's a smaller um, smaller team. But again, if you have tons of prospects all across the world, if I'm being smart and I'm being a GM, I'm like, hey, we have a kid from Russia that's about to move in here, doesn't speak English, doesn't know any English or like North American food, right? Like that's kind of my job and. Like I said, I was talking about earlier about how the worlds have been shifting. Like we do a lot more like grocery store tours. Uh, we do tons of education you know, on social media and Instagram. Um, like, you know, everybody's philosophy is different. For me, I go about like the triple A. So the first A is I want to make sure that my athletes can fuel around practice and games. So if they're aware of like what's the better options for that, and so that's awesome. I want them to be able to feel when they're away from the facility because unlike strength conditioning, you know, you get them an hour or two per day, they do their, they do their thing there, they go home, whatever happens, you know, strength conditioning is done. But nutrition, yeah, they spend a lot of time in the facility, you know, some of the football guys would come in at, you know, 6 or 7 a.m., they leave at 6, 7 p.m. Still, the nutrition component of it still plays a role when they're at home, right? So if they can feel properly when they're away from the facility, doing right choices, that's good. But then you guys know that very well from a strength conditioning perspective, like once your athletes are done playing or they don't want their sports, like you want to make sure they know what they're doing and they still want to lift. Right. So for me, it's the same thing. I want to make sure they're, they know what they're, they need to eat after they're done with their sports. Right. Like an offensive lineman that, you know, I can put a guy on a six, 7,000 calorie diet during season. Once they're done playing, you, you think that guy is going to eat the same amount of food? Of course not. Right. So we got to make sure we fit, or athletes up for success, right? So obviously it's 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 a big, it's a very different, there's a lot of moving parts as far as like nutrition goes. But I would say, yeah, like if you, 
if you go and do a good job of educating and like making sure that again you do the right things with your athletes and hopefully when they're out on their own they do the might they make the right decisions right yeah so true like i said uh it, it's just so important all the time to try and like pass on that education and build some some self-reliance yeah. as well as some accountability mm-hmm. um i think is also really key and you kind of started to bring in there some you know differences with american football i know you're going to be working with the with the seahawks mm-hmm. um in this upcoming season what do you what are you going to be your kind of like key things that you're going to be starting with when you get there what are your like big uh so big ticket items that you want to try and yeah work on well so i won't be the only person over there so again this is a good example of like for team an nfl team you got two dietitians on staff right so it's going to be really good but i would say you know anytime we got our guys in uh, and i worked with oakland before too uh with the raiders in 2017 so i was in california for a season um Everything is different as far as like how the nutrition department is kind of like being used. Obviously we'll do a ton and we talked about that earlier too. A lot of the stuff we'll do would be logistics, like meal plans on the road, how we can feed our athletes when we're away. But if you look at training camp, um, mo- the main thing is to make sure that these guys, uh, you know, lean body mass is gonna be on point, uh, depending on their position, they need to gain weight, lose weight. Like that would be, if you look at a, you know, performance standpoint, because I mean, that's kind of the main driver behind everything is like, hey, can this guy perform? Yes or no? F- yeah, you F- got to F- get those yeah. wins on the board, right? Otherwise, none of it counts. So, well, man, everybody gets fired. That's exactly what yeah. happened. <laughs> everybody gets fired. So then you're on, you're on the, then you just go to New Zealand like I did. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. so, yeah, you got to get the wins. And especially in a, you know, NFL season, Kind of like rugby, you play once a week, right? It's like this year is going to be a little bit longer. So it's 17 games within 18 weeks. Like I know you only play once a game, but like it's, it's, it's a, it's a gauntlet. Like, especially if you're in a good division, man, like that's tough on the guys. Right. So sometimes first is performance driver, right? Like the main, like any, like I would say 90% of the time people are going to, or athletes are going to come and talk to you is like something's wrong with their performance. Either they, they don't run as fast. They're out of shape. They're out of breath. They don't sleep well. Like there's a lot of components, but like it's typically, you know, performance driven, right? Uh, so either it comes from the athletes or it'll come from the coaches. Like, hey, this dude is, you know, 20 pounds overweight. Okay, boom. How can we? How can I talk to this guy to make him eat better food, make better choices? Like if he eats, if I've seen him, he does really well at the facility, and then he goes home and he eats, you know, a bucket of uh, fried chicken, and you know, he drinks soda whenever he's away is just like okay well it's probably not your better better options right so how can i get to a flyer so we're on the same page as far as like hey if you're trying to do this your coach wants to do this you want to do this like these are the steps that are going to help you get there right um because you know any especially in the nfl like you run a bad route like you can get you can get your take like you can get cut and somebody else gonna come in, right? There's tons of, you know, players just as good as you that can do the exact same job as you, right? So it's just a matter of like, okay, these guys are not performing right. How can we correct this? If guys are already balling out, then what you need to look at is like, hey, especially in the NFL, it's a shorter career, right? Especially on the position if you look at running backs or whatever, like, hey, do you want to ball out for three years 
or do you want to ball out for 10 years? You know, that's a lot more money in your wallet when you go for 10 years than if you only play three, right? So when you start speaking the same language as these guys do, it's a lot easier to like slide in like a couple of nutrition tips, like, hey, I know you're doing well right now, but if you want to recover better and play seven more years, that might be helpful for you down the road, right? So always performance driven, I would say that's going to be your main pillar we're going to target. And then afterwards is just like, okay, if we're doing this right, what's the plan we got to lay out? Um, and then after that, it's just a matter of, it's a lot of day-to-day -day stuff, right? Like if they don't sleep well, things like that, what we can do, we're going to like, we have a fueling station where guys can just come and grab whatever they want. Uh, we got performance chef, like, so guys, you know, we'll work in the menu with these chefs. So in a nutshell, that's really what it is. It's all performance based, looking at what the coaches want, lean body mass. We'll have a DEXA scan, we'll have a DEXA machine actually. So we'll be able to assess the guys twice a year. You got um, some money going on if you've got a DEXA yeah. scan. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's pretty, yeah. The resources are, I wouldn't say unlimited, but we're very lucky and some teams have more than others. Uh, but it's not like, yeah, we have to eat on the budget when, you know, we, yeah. we go out. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> That's nice. You um you mentioned a couple of points there about recovery. Yeah. How do you see that link between obviously like you know we know you know a lot of people will be like you know you've got to recover properly, you've got to sleep properly, you've got to hydrate properly. These are the key things. If you do those things well, everything else kind of takes care of itself. Yeah. We're happy with that. But how do you see those links between what you can do with a diet into yeah. how that that leads into their recovery? Yeah. Well, see, that's a good point. And, you know, there's like we talked about earlier, like nutrition, there are so many components that comes into play and from a performance performance perspective too, right? Like, yes, you can do like, obviously, like if you look at injury prevention, obviously being well hydrated, making sure you eat plenty, like rest enough, like all these things are going to lead to reduce risk of injury. But at the end of the day, man, you're playing football, like obviously you're going to get knocked out at some point, right? Like something's going to happen. Like, <laughs> Is it all my, is it my fault? Cause you didn't eat broccoli? Like probably not. Right? <laughs> let's not, let's not be, you know, dumb about this and just be like, okay, like it's a contact sport. It's a physical sport. It's going to happen. Um, but I would say, yeah, like if you start seeing decrement and again, one of my first questions I always ask, even when I do SNC is like, Hey, how are you feeling today? Like, Oh, I feel tired. feel this. I feel that. So, Again, if you look at your low-hanging fruit, and that goes back to your first question, because I, I kind of got a really broad answer to you, uh, you know, something as simple as like uh, pre and post, like way in and way out before and after practice, like you're a goalie, you know, like I've worked with goalies that would lose 10 pounds in the yeah. practice because they sweat so much, right? I wish I would do that right now. The lockdown has got me <laughs> needing to lose a couple yeah. of pounds, I tell you that. <laughs> pre and post COVID, way in and way out? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that's a very easy way to be like, okay, man, like this dude is losing five pounds um, every practice. And again, if you look, you know, we talked about the research and the practicality of it. Like research is very much so indicating that like if somebody loses more than 2% of their body weight within a specific amount of time during practice, you'll start to see deficiencies, right? Hmm. So how can we make sure that Again, if we take a guy that lose five pounds during practice in the first week, okay, how can we reduce that to maybe he only loses two pounds? What are the protocols we can put in place? Like, okay, every pound you lose, it'll be 20 ounces of fluid, or every pound you lose, it'll be like a Gatorade bottle, right? 
because then you also have to look, okay, where are they practicing? Where are they playing? If they're playing in Florida, where it's like 110% humid, well, obviously they're going to sweat more, right? If they play in Minnesota in December or Green Bay, then they probably won't sweat as much, right? The equipment plays into play. Okay, like if you're wearing gear, how does that look from a sweating perspective, right? Um, so that like that's a very simple example of like, okay, how can we do little things on the daily to make sure that we can run the gauntlet of 17 games in a season and not, because I mean, if you make the playoff, then it's another set of games, right? So the, the teams that are better typically or they do a good job, like they'll take care of themselves all the way through. And then once they get to playoff, then it's the same thing over and over again. It's not really any new science. It's just doing the little things, taking care of your body very, very well every single day, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. How one one thing I was just wondering about that, like it, it's a little um, of an easier schedule, obviously in the like in football. Um, but Steve, we used to chat a lot about the the kind of recovery and travel in hockey because you you know you're basically on and off planes, different rinks. Your your road trips are huge. Yeah. How do you deal with like um, so like a nutritional periodization around games do you do anything particular if you know you're going to be traveling and you because we know like you know flights and things like that you can get dehydrated but then you also is there anything you can do to help reset their circadian rhythms and help them get into that new time zone Uh, is there anything like that that you you try and work on the premiere for steven yeah, no, for, for you, Carl. Yeah. Okay. Def- yeah, definitely don't ask me. I, I don't know the answer. I would love to know the answer. Like, yeah. I had our guys would 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 rehydrate on a plane by drinking half a bottle of Jack Daniels. Like, I would love to know the answer. Yeah. I was, I think I was sort yeah. of asking on behalf of Steve based yeah. on some of the conversations. That'd be nice. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a that's a very, very good point. Again, I, I think it all depends on the resources you have and you know, the, the, not only from a monetary standpoint, but also personnel, right? So to give you an example, um, a lot of stuff I do, especially when I work, so to give you an idea, uh, when I work with basketball, it's similar to hockey schedule, right? Like I think uh, last year when I worked with, um, with men's basketball, we went to Bahamas for a week and a half. And nice then, trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, everybody's like, oh my God, you're so lucky. I was like, yeah, but honestly, I probably sat on the beach for like five minutes. And that's all I got for time off. So <laughs> it was even more work. We can go. That would be a whole, like the stuff I had to do to like feed the players on there was ridiculous. So that could be an, a whole other podcast. But um, <laughs> like we played, we played in Vegas and we played in uh, New York and in Chicago within a three week time span. So obviously a lot of different places. And we touched base on that uh, before the podcast, but I, col- I collaborate a ton. Like everywhere I'll go, I'll always connect with chef. I'll always try to look up beforehand, like, hey, who can I reach out that's already in the area that could be like, especially with food, like you need to make sure you got quality food, you got quality chef, logistics, like you need to make sure that people are on on top of their game because like if the meal is like 30 minutes too late, it was like, okay, well, the bus already gone, like nobody's eating, not a, you know, post going to be crappy about that. But I would say like in season, um, like if they were about to load the plane, like, get water bottles to the guys, get a snack to the guys. I used to make snack packs for the players. I would like, hey, what do you want in your snack pack? Okay, I'll get some gummies, some, you know, Oreos, white Oreos. We had an Italian dude. I just I ate white Oreos. I don't know why. But again, <laughs> that's, what he, that's what he ate. Like, I'm not going to be like, okay, no, no, no. Like, 
I'll just put, you know, dry fruits and I'll put applesauce. Like, okay, that's what you want. We'll put it on the back. So that way I make sure you eat it, right? So we have snack bags for your players and Ziploc bags that they can put in their bag. And then if they're hungry on the plane, they can eat. Same thing, I would make sure I dish out water bottles before we get on the plane. So at least if they hydrate, perfect. If they don't, then at least in their hands and they're thinking about it, right? It goes back to education components. Like, especially, again, if you know there's guys, like uh, we had a couple of guys that were really prone to cramping. So if I knew, if I knew I were going to uh, an arena where it's super humid, the ventilation's not good. Um, Bahamas, again, obviously there's no AC, like it's super hot. So, okay. Guys that are prone to cramping, let's make sure we put electrolytes in their water. And that conversation was easy for them because they knew they were going to cramp. So it's not like I'm forcing them. It's like, hey, I'm just like, hey, bro, like, don't forget to electrolyze. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, like, that's not like they were like pushing me awake. They knew they were going to cramp. So it's like, okay, let's be smart about it. Right. But I knew that beforehand because I did the homework before to weigh, like, weigh in and weigh out before and after practice. Uh, the history of cramping, right? So the more you know about these players, it goes back to the relationship, the easier it is for you to be like, hey, try the electrolytes, hey, do this, do that, right? And then they'll 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 most likely go for it just because they know it's gonna help them out in the long run, right? So during season, I, I typically just like to have the guys eating as much as, it, not as much as they can, obviously as much as, because of ad libitum. Um, but what I would say is that obviously be smart on what you're offering on the buffet line or like what you do for two goal meals. Like make sure the, I would just say the ratio is better, right? So like 60 to 65% carbs, the lean protein, and then some veggies, right? But it doesn't have to be complicated. Color, carbs, protein, boom, done. So if you have picky eaters, obviously it's a little bit more difficult, but like I found, I don't know if that's the same thing for you guys or especially Steve, but like hockey guys are typically pretty good to work with like football players is a different topic and basketball players too but like typically it was fairly easy to be like okay like if you ask them beforehand what they want you give them what they want and they say oh no i don't want this anymore then it's kind of on them right <laughs> that's true yeah absolutely uh, <laughs> no so. i i and I, again i i kind of like the idea of like just you know you're trying to meet people where they are rather than like force it right like you yeah. know you use that example of the guy who just fancied some some white oreos it's like well yeah. <laughs> what, what, what's the most important thing here the most important thing here is that you have something to eat yeah right so whatever you are gonna want to eat is yeah. gonna be the thing that you're you're actually going to eat and yeah. you know I, I had that with the figure skating team like i mm-hmm. it's it funny like i uh, you you talk about that kind of like role being put upon snc coaches it's also one of those things that like as an snc coach you start to see those things and and yeah. you see like you know these girls would just like because it's such a an aesthetic sport some mm-hmm. of the young girls were you know they were going in the gym at 6 a.m in like a tinfoil sweatsuit yeah you know, like to try and lose more weight. And I'm just like, where are you? Like, are you eating breakfast? Are you actually eating at lunchtime? All the rest of it. Yeah. So I took it upon myself to start making like shakes for them. Yeah. And I, be, being China and everything, you know, the food being quite controlled, I was yeah. like, right, I'm not, I'm not buying anything, right? That's not my role. But what yeah. I can do is go into the cafeteria. I can take a yogurt. I can take a banana. I can take some nuts. Yeah. I can stick it all in a blender on the table in the middle of the cafeteria. And I can say, here, have this after 
training. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and like, and, and so that's something, so that's something I started doing. But then when I started sort of talking to the girls about it, one of the first questions I asked one of the girls was like, do you even like the food here? Yeah. Right. And she was from a different province and she hated the food in Beijing. Yeah. yeah. And so, like you said, like it's, it's kind of about meeting people where they are and like, mm-hmm. I said, fi- finding a solution for them that is also like, what's our biggest priority in this moment? Yeah. Right. Like, if yeah. if the biggest priority right now is to make sure that you eat something, yeah, and it doesn't matter so much what it is. Yeah. If we're at a point where like actually getting the calories in and eating isn't the problem, then mm. we can look at how we can make that a better yeah. choice. I I agree a hundred percent. I'll just. I'll uh, give you one flip side of the argument, and that is the traditional post-game hockey pizza. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, this, uh, I have two two thoughts on this. One, I got to eat pizza three times a week, which was great. I fucking love pizza. It's brilliant. <laughs> but the, the, it literally would be, after, after a road trip, in, during, some point during the third period, 20 yeah. or 30 pizzas get delivered they get put in the room the guys refuel refuel i use yeah. that in air quotes <laughs> um, and then jump on a plane and go and and i tried to raise this as an issue and say listen we can do this better we can we know our schedule we know ex- yeah. we know every single city that we're going to be in every single day from now to the end of the year mm-hmm. we can contact re- we have to contact the restaurant to get the pizzas in So let's contact the restaurant. Let's get a menu the day before to the rink because we're always going to be in a city for at least two days. So let's get a menu the day before. Let's give athletes choices for two things. One, an immediate post-game meal. And two, a meal for them to take on the plane because they all complain that the food on the plane is shit. So they don't want to eat that. So let's do this. And, And I had players going, nah. We want yeah. we want pizza after the game. <laughs> like, yeah, of course you want pizza after the game, but you're playing three times a week. You're eating pizza for dinner three yeah. times a week. This is not good for you. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, it's such a cultural thing with hockey, man. Because I played college hockey and it was the same shit. It was Jimmy John's on the Everywhere. road to get there, and then after games, it was fucking dominoes every single time. Every but, time. But, but here's what I did, because like when I played. I knew that wasn't good for me. So I just prepared better. It's all about being prepared, right? So I would pack pasta I could eat cold on my way there. And then I would have smoothies for after, right? So obviously I'm not saying, <laughs> I probably was the only guy on that bus to think about these things because I was kind of my field. Um, but what I'm saying is just like, especially if you start being very individualized, like you said, that's the first thing they're going to ask you to do. And especially if you have success with it, and then they're going to ask you to start doing that every single time. And it's just like, then it sucks for you guys as an SNC coach. Cause you get dragged of your main, your main duties of a, hey, like, again, I'm not the true guy. And you know, I was laughing when Simon talked about smoothie earlier, I was just laughing, laughing, laughing my ass off. Cause it was like, it's crazy. When I was in college, I didn't think that my smoothie skills was going to be able to like give me jobs places. But like, <laughs> if you suck at making smoothies as a dietitian, like you're not making it. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> so like, it's 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 funny because like, yeah, we make uh, like that's something else we'll do. We'll do tons of smoothies for the season for the guys to have right after practice, right? Um, 
but if if anything that can help all the snc snc strength coaches out there for hockey like obviously the pizza is always going to be there probably not going anytime soon but yeah. start start adding to it like you'll have some guys that like if you put you take that restaurant you're like hey you guys making smoothies sure give me like five berry smoothies with the pizza and then maybe nobody takes it at the start well fuck it you can give it to your coaches or whatever but if you start seeing guys like, yeah, I'm still hungry, or hey, is there any other food? Well, we get the smoothies, it'll be all right, whatever. And then it'll, it'll start being a little bit more okay for guys to be like, oh yeah, I don't need to eat a whole food, like a whole pizza. I can do half and half. And then it goes back to the topic of meeting halfway, right? So little yeah. things like that that are very subtle that are like, hey, why is why is Steve doing that with us? Well, you give him your explanation. And if they're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense, then some guys will be like, okay, yeah, let's try it, right? Yeah, that's cool. Listen, I've got, I've got one last question that I want to yeah. uh, throw to you, and it's going to put you on the spot a little bit, I think. But I want to know from you one thing that you think is, like, really underrated in terms of nutrition and sport and one thing that you think is really overrated in nutrition and sport. And I know that's putting you right on the spot there. Yeah um okay so underrated i would say um not eating enough like the diet recall that i do with some of my athletes like i've seen a discrepancy up to like 2000 calories as far as like the demand versus uh what the athletes are actually eating so i think it's very underrated because you know you would you would have to ask you know, if I ask both of you guys, is it right now, how many calories you need per day? You probably like, oh shit, I don't know. But that's a lot of athletes are like that, right? Mm-hmm. So being able to get enough, depending on your activity levels, on the like, uh, let's say you have two a day, you have a practice and a lifting session, or you just have a flight practice and a maybe just a lifting session or a recovery day. Like, how do I do a good job of like eating properly these days? So that would be, I would say, the most underrated thing. And an overrated, I would say, this one's a tough one because I think, you know, if you look at the supplementation realm, there's a lot into it. Uh, but I think sometimes we just get caught up on the whole like holistic and, you know, all these supplements that somebody should take because the research kind of says it might be good for them where, you know, the basics are not done very well, right? So sometimes I feel like we push um, a lot of supplements that, you know, would make athletic performance better, so to speak. But again, it's not, it's not because the research says that it works for like, you know, a research of three athletes that are all male that it will work for everybody. Uh, so I, I think, I think that that component of it is a little bit overrated and sometimes it's got to reel it into the basic and like, Hey, is this practical? Are you hitting enough calories? Are you getting plenty around and after? And I think from that, um, you can do a lot of good things. I think I think that's great. I think both both points there, I think, are actually yeah. really good. Uh, I think we've all worked with athletes who either struggle to consume enough for the amount of training they do, or just aren't aware of it, and uh, and that yeah. obviously then impedes performance later on um can affect their you know their strength building in the weight room it can affect their actual performance within games or within training um and then yeah i completely agree on this the supplements um i always think it's really funny that even the word supplement is meant to be like 
an addition to, right? It's meant to supplement yeah. <laughs> what you're doing, not yeah. replace it. So it's always really important that like it's it's worth obviously exploring that avenue. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have the rest of it, you can't like we, we always saying you say you can't outrun a bad diet. Like yeah. you can't out supplement a bad diet. Like if you yeah. if you have a bad diet, if you're living off of pizza, you can't yeah. just take <laughs> protein powders That's and fire. all this and expect to come out healthy at the end of it, right? Yeah. So no, I, I completely agree with that. Um, Carl, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And I know you know we could carry on chatting for a really long time. Um <laughs> yeah. And it's been great for us again. We we love having these sort of different takes on on performance and and yeah. Um, yeah so the the chat about nutrition is awesome, and I love the fact that you're able to combine it with S and C. Before you go, we'd love to get your like social media details. Um, anything yeah. that you wanna you wanna share with people, or if people wanna get in touch with you. Uh yeah, for knows. sure. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, yeah, thank you guys for having me on this podcast. I know it's going to be really fun. Um, I'm very happy to, to an honor to be on here because I know there's a tons of good practitioner that, that came through. Uh, just give a shout out of a few of my mentors. I know you mentioned that earlier, but uh, Beth Fulgram, uh, Becky Trombley and Dave Hillis are probably uh, some of the the OGs in sports nutrition. And I'm very blessed to be able to have worked with them uh, in some fashion. And that kind of got me where I am today. But yeah, for social media is uh, mostly on Instagram is just uh, bomber002. Um, you can find me on there, Twitter at cbomb002. Again, um, not so much on Twitter, but um, what I would say is, yeah, don't hesitate. I think both, well, I was, I'm getting to get to know Steven a little bit more here, but if anybody has any questions on any nutrition or anything like that, that they're just not sure, and it just, it could be like, there's no dumb question. Um, I'm always happy to help out because um, I always think that, you know, in our field, we're, we're in for the athletes. So if we can help athletes out, then let's do it and let's kind of collaborate. And I'm always happy to, to help out uh, people out that are reaching out. So Awesome. Yeah, no, I love awesome, that. Man. I, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's so important that people in our industry are more more open to sort of helping helping out it's something i wish i i wish i'd reached out more to people when i was <laughs> was younger mm-hmm. yeah. i'll let the ego take over yeah <laughs> so, all too. right um, i'll come back to you when you've got an answer for uh getting rid of the post-game pizzas <laughs> <laughs> sounds good but right, if Great. you put in in the blender and smooth it like dude. <laughs> no one will want that again. pizza. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. Like, Can we just do something else? <laughs> yeah. Great chat, guys. It was awesome. Nice to uh nice to meet you guys. Nice to catch up. Great That's chat, good. guys. And uh yeah. yeah, great episode. Awesome. Thanks right. for coming on, Carl. Later. Bye.